It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by RealBlueSpruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Adam, AAA Adams. And when I say welcome back to the Creative Real Estate, <laughs> when I say welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast, I mean, I haven't put out an episode in a few weeks. It's been like three or four weeks that since we put out an episode, we had a ton of episodes going out during uh, the promotion of our event, the Raising Money Summit. And the Raising Money Summit in Denver in the beginning of October 2019, it was the second annual Raising Money Summit. And I want to come on and just say thank you. Thank you for all of you who attended. Holy cow. Oh my gosh. I was blown away. We were expecting to have somewhere around 500 people and 617 showed up. It was literally standing room only. The presenters were amazing. And in this episode, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to share with you, Not I don't want to tell you anything. I'm going to share with you something. Um, I want to share with you a couple of the takeaways that I got from just a couple of the speakers. And I think that it's going to be valuable to you if you're looking to be more and more involved in syndications and raising money because the entire, pre, the, the entire uh, program was centered around a few things. How do you get the most amount of people to know who you are to, and to be able to talk about you when you're not in the room in a good way, in a good way? Um, so how do you do that? How do you become well-known in the industry? And then we talked about how do you become well-liked in the industry and well-trusted? So we talk about this big part of the funnel where you get in front of the most amount of people so you can have that exposure so people can start singing their praises when you're not even in the room. Then we talk about how do you get them to actually opt into your list, to like you enough to say, I like what he or she has to say, and I'm going to give him or her my email. I'm going to give you my email right now in exchange for this value that you are providing to me. How do you do that? And then once they're on your list, how do you cultivate that list? How do you stay in front of them? There's a lot of noise out there. There's a ton of people out there in the world asking for your passive investor's money and you don't want your passive investor's money to go to somebody else, do you? So how do you nurture that list? Stay in front of that list. Cultivate it, water it like a garden so that you can harvest the rewards later on. So there was presenters that gave a lot of feedback on that, a lot of feedback on what they do to get in front of people, what they do to be able to have investors opt into their list. My company, Blue Spruce, we have, on average, we've had more than five people lately, more than five every single week opting into our list. That's almost one a day. Every business day, practically, Blue Spruce 
has a passive investor say, I like Adam. I trust Adam. I want to invest passively with Adam. And how do we do that for you, the listener, who might be jogging, doing some arts and crafts? I'm not sure. Maybe you're um, under, underneath a house right now fixing a sump pump or something crazy like that. Maybe you're driving. Maybe it's Thanksgiving weekend and you are taking a big, long drive. I'm not sure what you're doing right now today, but I want to give you value. I want people to be opting into your list, saying, I want to invest with you. You're the one who adds value to me. You're the one that I want to be with for the next five years into a syndication deal, right? So that's the goal. So here are my top takeaways from the Raising Money Summit of 2019 that are going to benefit you if you look to raise equity for your next deal. I've got seven major takeaways for you today. Seven major takeaways from the passive panel all the way down to the number one thing that I think people are not doing that they should be doing to be successful in this business. So let me start off with number seven. Uh, Sandhya Sashardri, Siva Venugopalan, Anna Kelly, and Anna Simpson, along with Jeremy Roll. This panel was hosted by Corey Boatwright, one of my partners in this business. He's boots on the ground for the deal I'm closing right now. It's a 250 unit out in Oklahoma City. And by the way, there is just a couple of spots left for passive investment, the minimum is $75K, $75,000. The maximum is $2 million. So if you want to go up to about $2 million, that's the most you can go. But we have a couple of spots available in that deal. It is a 506C, which means it's for accredited only. Corey Boatwright is our boots on the ground, and he hosted this panel with the two Anna's. Anna, Anna Simpson, Anna Kelly, uh, Siva Venugopalan, Sandhya Sashardri, and Jeremy Roll. And the major takeaway that I got from that panel is what a, pa- a passive investor looks for before they get into a deal. What a sophisticated passive investor needs to know is a few things. Of course, they need to know you, like you, and trust you. They wouldn't be doing business with you if they didn't. But there's still going to be some things that may hold them back. And here's what I learned from that amazing panel with the people that I've already named. What a passive investor wants to know and understand is who is on the team? What is the team's track record? What has the team done before? Have they exited deals? Are they paying their investors? Do they have uh, securities violations to their name? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They want to know everything they can 
not just about you. Of course, they know you, they like you, and they trust you. But they're going to have questions in their mind about your team. Who is your, um, who is your, what, what am I trying to say? Project, property. Who's your property manager? What's their track record? Who else is, is sponsoring the loan? What's their track record? So, for instance, we talk about the team, like with, with my team, on this 250-unit deal, right? So, there's, there's me, and I've been doing multifamily since I was a kid with my family. I bought my own while I was in college. I managed it. Even before that, I managed three properties, uh, 23 total doors, and on one of them, I made a million dollars for the owner. So that's my track record. That's what I've been doing. I've been syndicating for three years. Um, we are paying out on our deals. This is who Adam Adams is. But what about the person who's the asset manager? So we got to talk about DJ and everything that he does and how he bought and sold uh, a few businesses for good profits and he and how he has an accounting degree and how he etc 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 then we want to talk about Corey Boatwright and how he's done 3000 transactions and how he already owns uh, be, even without my team 600 or 800 other doors but then the, the the passive investor wants to know more and more and more so we talk about um, you know, they say, how many of you have, have exited deals? And I talk about Garrett, who's on our team, who has bought and sold 3,000 doors so far. And by the end of next month, he'll have another 1,000 that he's purchased since buying and selling the first 3,000 for a major, major profit. Passive investors want to know about your team. These are the, the ideas that you should be thinking of around what to share about the team. You want to talk about your acquisitions team. You want to talk about how just on this 250 unit property that we're about to close, how we looked at well over 150 different deals since December of 2018 to find a deal that we're closing December of 2019. If your past investor knows the, that you're not just taking any deal out there when they say, how many are you closing this year and, and you haven't closed any, don't feel bad about that. Let your passive investor know that it's because you think that it's really important to be having the right deal with the right team in the right market. Okay, second thing that we learned from, from Sanja and Siva and Anna and Anna and Jeremy was that the passive investor wants to know about the market. And this is a scary, scary thing right now because there are so many people going into, going out of these primary markets, going into secondary, tertiary, and even boonie markets. I don't know what you would call it, a quadrucianary, <laughs> the fourth tier market where there's only a couple thousand people that live there. There's no industry to support it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a lot of these operators out there going to markets because they they are able to find a property that's all they care about they want to find a property or or they really want to find a property with a 
a great cap rate. And today, most, because the cap rates are so compressed, which basically means prices are so high, there's a lot of people that are saying, I'm not going to buy in Dallas anymore where I have to pay a, a four cap or a five cap. I'm not going to buy in New York City anymore where I have to pay a two cap or a four cap. They're saying I'm not going to buy in Denver anymore because I only look for eight caps and Denver's only got four, five, and six caps, right? This is what people are saying and they're going to markets that are going to cause a lot of trouble. And savvy passive investors know how important it is to go into a very, very, very strong market. So savvy passive investors want to see what types of markets you're going in. For instance, Oklahoma City, one of the top markets in the country right now. If you look at all the metrics, if you look at, it, that, at everyone else who's pre predicting and projecting We've known, my team Blue Spruce has known that Oklahoma City was one of the best upcoming markets right now since last December. We selected it. It's our only spot that we have been looking at for about a year. And there's many, many, many people out there like Dave Lindahl, for instance. He, he wrote this book on emerging markets and Oklahoma City was one of the top emerging markets on his list for the year. And if you look at all of the CoStar reports, go search CoStar, and you look at a CoStar report for one city versus another versus another, you'll see that right now today in the cycle that we are in the market, there's a lot of very scary spots to be investing in if you're going to be holding for about five years. Well, most syndicators are planning to hold for five years. Most syndicators are telling you, I'm going to return your capital five years from now. But if you look at the markets that they are in, you will realize that they are going to lose your money in five years. Because they're looking at spots where they're overbuilding and people are not moving, jobs are not coming. So you want to make sure that if you're operating, that you go look at a really, really strong market and spend the type of time attention, effort that Blue Spruce did to find Oklahoma City. When you do that, you're going to protect your past investor money. Utilize these resources. For example, if you go to just episode 242 of this podcast, Neil Bawa and I discuss a lot of the key metrics that you ought to be looking for to find and select a great market. Because I'll tell you right now and today, as, as honest and straightforward as I can, there's a lot of syndicators out there going to markets that will not be making sense over the next three, five, and seven years. So you need, to, you need to be different. You need to talk about that market and share why it's so important. Additionally, passive investors want to know more about the deal that you have. After you've talked about your team and they understand that, after you've talked about the market and why it's so important to you to be involved in a very strong market, you're going to want to share with your passive investor 
the actual deal that you have. You want to talk about how much money is going to capital expenditures, how much is going to deferred maintenance. Um, you want to talk about the, the um, roof, the plumbing, not just the plumbing plumbing, but how about the main drain? If you're looking and you have had a sewer scope on all of your piping, then you're going to be able to have an actual number. Many people give up and don't do this. But this could cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars if you don't do a sewer scope. And so the savvy passive investor is going to ask you, did, did you have a roof certification? Did you have a plumber come out? Did you, um, did you have an inspector check for mold? Did you look at the foundation? Did a professional look at the foundation? They're going to ask you, did you walk every unit? And just for an example, this 250 that I keep bringing up has a lot, a lot of doors. And we had five people on my team and five people from our property management team go and walk every single unit, 250 units. And it took more than two days with 10 people to be able to know that the roof, the foundation, the, any mold, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You'll look at the wiring. Is it plumbing? Uh, is it, what, is it um, copper wiring? Is it uh, aluminum wiring? What about your panels? Is it an old school panel that needs to be replaced? If you do have aluminum, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The savvy passive investor is going to ask these questions to you. And furthermore, once you give them all that information about the deal, what the purchase price is, what kind of work you're putting in, what the rents are, what your comparable rents are for other C-class or B-class apartments in this neighborhood. And by the way, I don't mean just randomly say, I have a C-class, so let's go look at C and B rents. Absolutely not. I'm saying if you have a B-class, then you're going to look at only B-class rents. If you have a C-class, you're going to look at only C-class rents. Unless you know that you can bring your property up to a B-class, then you'll want to look at both of them. I hope that makes sense. So you're talking about the property, the team, and the market. Now you want to talk about the business plan. That's what your passive investor wants to know. A savvy passive investor wants to understand the business plan. How much money are you going to put into these units? What is the rental increase going to be? And who do you have on your team in place to be able to implement that business plan appropriately? And for, for in our example, uh, on this 250 unit, we're going to be putting about $7,000 per unit. That's uh, close to $1.8 million in work into this property, right? And so the savvy past investor is going to ask, where's all that work going? What are you putting it to? And then when they find out what you're putting it to, they're going to say, okay, well, you told me about your team, but who on your team is going to manage this? And for example, we have brought on somebody onto the team. His name's Rich, who's, who has actually done this exact business plan with more than 4,000 other apartment units. And so he has the experience to manage the construction appropriately 
And that's why Rich is on our team, to make sure that that happens. So we, if we're going to do 70 units in the first year, we need somebody like Rich on the team, right? And if you are going to be implementing some business plan and trying to raise money from passive investors, you're going to need to prove to them who you have on the team that's going to make it so that their money is safe. Somebody who has looked at more, has actually done the work on more than 4,000 doors already is somebody who understands a budget, who understands what it takes to put this in. If you don't have that person, you might make a $1.8 million cost estimate, but when you get into it, and that person with less experience than Rich gets into each of these units, you might very quickly find that each unit has an extra five grand. Now, if you were doing this on just one unit and you went from seven to five, no big deal, right? It was just one unit. The problem is if you go from 7,000 and add five more to 12,000, and then you multiply that by uh, 250 doors, it becomes $3 million instead of 1.8. So your past investor is going to wonder, where is that other money going to come from? But if they know and understand that you walked every single unit, that you have the right people on your team to implement the business plan, and that they have the experience that Rich does, it's going to benefit you so that your past investor can put the money. So that's the seventh takeaway. And in the next episode, we're going to talk about the sixth takeaway. And we're going to get it in until it gets stronger and stronger and stronger to my absolute favorite takeaway, the number one takeaway. But I think that you're going to get a ton of value for raising more money for your next deal by checking out the next six episodes.